There's a lot going on in this country today, folks. And uh, just uh, as the Bible talks about the sons of Issachar, they understood the times. And uh, there's an awful lot of disinformation and, and there's a lot of confusion in terms of what's going on in our country today and where it came from and what's happening. And let me tell you something. Just boil it down to the basics. There is evil in our land, which, which means there's trouble in the land. There's evil in the land. We've brought evil into this land. We've allowed evil to come into America. You know, I think the Bible says, Woe unto you who call good evil and evil good. And that's exactly what we're doing. But in Luke 21, and starting in verse 11, when the disciples said to Jesus, What will be the signs of your return? And he outlined all those things that we know about very well. We've, we've heard them all our lives. When he says, There will be great earthquakes, famines, and pestilences in various places, along with fearful signs and great signs from heaven. But then he says something else, very, very important, and applies to our times now. But before all this, they will seize you and persecute you. Persecute you. You got that word? Persecute you. Are you being persecuted? Have you been persecuted since this COVID started? The church has been under the greatest persecution in the history of this country. And it says, And on account of my name, they will deliver you to the synagogues and prisons, and they will bring you before kings and governors. Then he says the most important thing in this whole passage. He says, This will be an opportunity to serve as a witness. You know, now could be our finest hour as a church. It could be our finest hour. I could go through and tell you story after story about the pastors in and prior to the Revolutionary War. Any of you heard of the Black Road Regiment? That's what the British called them, the pastors in the, in the colonies because they wore these black vestments. And after the Revolutionary War was over, the British actually said, had it not been for that black robe regiment, they would still be under the crown of England, those 13 colonies he was talking about. Had it not been for that black robe regiment, this was the church rising up. This was the pastors. Every constitutional freedom that we have, every one of them, is something that came out of a sermon that was preached in the 13 colonies. The 26th of January, 1776, there was a man named Pastor John Peter Gabriel Muhlenberg. How many of you know about John Peter Gabriel Muhlenberg? He had biblical names because his father and his grandfather were pastors. He knew the Word of God. He walked into his little Anglican church there in Woodstock, Virginia, over in the Shenandoah Valley, and he got in there about two hours early, and he sat down, and he, he began to, to pray. God, what would you have me do, God? What would you have me do at a time like this? And then he began to read some scripture, and then the time came for the church service to start, and Pastor Muhlenberg got up and put his black vestment on. 
grabbed his Bible and he went out and he stood before his congregation there and he began to preach from Ecclesiastes 3, a season for all things. He came to the end of his sermon and he said, the Bible tells us there's a time to preach and there's a time to pray. The time for me to preach has gone away. And he opened up that black vestment that he had on and let it drop to the floor and he was wearing the uniform of a colonel of the 8th Virginia militia. Only two days earlier George Washington had commissioned him as the colonel of the regiment. He walked out the back uh, out, out the, really I guess out the front of the church but he got up on his horse and he said who among you men will ride with me in the cause of liberty? 330-some men followed him through the Revolutionary War. He retired at the end of the war. He retired as a, as a major general, as a pastor. that led his men, and then there's story after story after story. There were many pastors that led regiments during the Revolutionary War. It brought about our separation from the crown of England because the church rose up. The church rose up and and became what the church was supposed to be. And now's our opportunity to do exactly the same thing. I understand. I've never been a pastor. I'm an ordained minister, but I've never been a pastor. And when people call me pastor, I correct them very quickly. I say, I'm not a pastor. I've never been a pastor. I don't understand what a pastor goes through. I don't understand the life of a pastor. I know a lot of them. And I also slept in a Holiday Inn one night. I'm not a pastor, but I know what our history says. I know what the church has done. I know what the church has meant to this country. But it's important that we understand the times. And then if you look at what brought about the American Civil War, what was it? You see, what brought about the revolution was the first great awakening, but what brought about the Civil War? It was the church. It was the church. Go back and study your history. Because it was the church that started rising up saying, you cannot believe the words of this document that says, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal and endowed by their creator were sudden unalienable rights and among them is life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. You can't believe that and still hold the black man a slave. And they began to preach these hard sermons and and they, 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 this big revival that took place across the Appalachian Mountains then started to spread throughout all the colonies. You know, they were brush arbors, these big revivals. But they started spreading all across America. And it, it brought about a, a, an awareness that we were living in, as, in a Hippocratic kind of way. Because we were holding people slaves. And it brought about the Civil War. And we paid the price of almost 700,000 lives. To right the wrong of slavery. And now today we are, we are divided again. And it's heartbreaking to me. Give me the next slide please. Who and what is behind all the chaos in this nation today? Liberals, Antifa, Black Lives Matter, white supremacists, 
China, Russia. Huh? How about all of the above? Huh? Next slide. I want to talk to you for a minute. I want you to understand. I want you to understand what's, what's happening and what's behind all of this. Because I'll go back and tell you that if we understand the times like the sons of Issachar, we can develop strategies to, to fight against this, to stand up to the evil that's in this land. Karl Marx and Friedrich Engels, they wrote a book called The Communist Manifesto in 1948, and they showed us exactly how they intended to take over the whole world. And now we see it all unfolding in America, just what they laid out, just how they said they were going to do it. And in 1958, the Communist Party, USA, wrote a book called The Naked Communist. I'll talk about it. I'll show you what they said they were going to do. But what they did in that book, 1958, they told us how they were going to take over America. And what do you think we did? We laughed. We laughed. I was only 10 years old at the time. But we laughed at them. You can't do these things. Well, what do you see what they said they were going to do and what they've actually done? They were going to destroy America as we know it through anarchy and chaos. I'm going to ask you right now, how far are we from chaos? How far are we from anarchy? I mean, there were places where there was all-out anarchy. Look at Seattle, Washington. And they had controlled entire city blocks there. It was just total anarchy. And, and by the way, get ready because it's coming again. And it's coming this summer. <clears throat> they recreate our nation as a communist state and they establish a socialist economic system. Next slide. Now this is what Marx, Marxism and communism and socialism are just, just to try and boil this thing down. A lot of people use the term synonymously. Uh, communism is a totalitarian form of government. And Marxism is a communist political theory, but they, it is not incorrect to use them synonymously. You say Marxism or communism, you're on the mark. And then socialism is an economic system, but it always fails. And I just read a book uh, about six months ago about socialism, two economics professors they went all over the world, and they, they just document how socialism has failed everywhere. And the only three real socialist countries that exist in the world today is Venezuela, Cuba, and North Korea. And they are all failing. They're all failing. Yet you have a, you need to understand if you don't, you have a generation of young people that have grown up and been indoctrinated in our schools to believe that socialism is preferable to capitalism. And we've let that happen. My generation has let that nonsense happen. Next slide. What did Karl Marx believe? He outlined his disdain for capitalism and he advocated revolution. Next slide. He stated this. Keep this in mind as we come to the end of this thing. Religion is the opiate of the masses. He was a hardcore atheist. And then he said... My objective is to dethrone God and destroy capitalism. Now, folks, what does that matter? This is a man that wrote all his books in 1948, I mean 1848. But we're living with his theology today. And the reason 
that we are under such persecution is because we're coming to the end. And by the way, can I just say to you, let me just recommend to all you pastors and church workers and all that, go back and start reading Ezekiel 38 and 39 again. You see, you know what? I, I was delighted when I saw all this stuff coming together with the Abraham Accords. You know where all these Muslim nations were signing, signing up to, to be at peace with Israel. But you go back and read Ezekiel 38 and 39. What you find is it says, when Israel is living in peace, this is when this whole thing starts to unfold. I'm not a prophet. I don't know the day or the time any more than anybody else does, and the Bible's very clear about that, but I will tell you, at least you've got to read it and, and ponder it to understand what's unfolding in North Africa, the Middle East, and those parts of the world. Next slide. There are two classes of people, according to Marx, as the workers or the proletariat and the wealthy or the bourgeoisie uh, that controls the production, and then you got to have class warfare. It's got to occur in order to create the conditions that leads to revolution. Have you been hearing people in Black Lives Matters and Antifa talking about revolution, the revolution? You're seeing Marxism unfold on the streets of America. It's evil. Marx was a he was a hardcore atheist, and that's why we're under so much pressure today. Now it's race warfare. They couldn't divide people along the lines of the proletariat and the bourgeoisie anymore in this country. So now they've divided us along racial lines. And we're suffering from it right now. Next slide. And here's another thing. This, is, this just shows you the influence of his atheism on him. Karl Marx believed that people would govern themselves without an electric elected central government because people are instinctively good. Is that true? Is that biblical? People are instinctively good. Yeah, right. Let's go back to uh, when we had a really bad hurricane a few years ago and they put all these people in the silver dome down there in, in New Orleans, right? And what did they wind up doing? Stealing from each other, fighting and Oh, but, but they're instinctively good. No, I will tell you right now, there's nothing good in me that hasn't been put there by the Holy Spirit. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm saved. I'm redeemed by the blood. But otherwise, I, I'm, I'm not instinctively good. And by the way, I give God plenty of chance to practice showing me grace. The Marines will get that in a minute. <laughs> you army guys are going to have to help me get out of here. And then there's no private ownership. And this is where Karl Marx made his very famous statement. From each according to his abilities to each according to his need. That is what we are practicing. That is what the President of the United States is talking about right now with these these payments for not working. I mean, stop and think about it. This this is not right. This is not going to help this country to move ahead, to be what we're supposed to be, which is, uh, as as Ronald Reagan said, uh, a beacon on a hill. Next slide. They want a utopian, classless society that's never been achieved and it never will be, and this this is nonsense. Next slide. Now, I want you to read this carefully. 
In fact, if you get if you got a camera, take a picture of it because you need to you need to understand this. This is Joseph Stalin who said this: America is like a healthy body, and its resistance is threefold: it's patriotism, its morality, and its spiritual life. Huh? And he said, if we can undermine these three areas, America will collapse from within. And trust me, what we see unfolding right now has come from within. You see, yeah, it's influenced by the external theology of Karl Marx and Friedrich Engel. But it has started from within because they told us exactly what they were going to do. And let me show you what they said. Go to the next slide. Go to the next slide. The naked communists. Next slide. Here's what they said they were going to do. Infiltrate the institutions of America and take over from within. They were going to promote cohabitation versus marriage. This is going back to 1958. Remember when they passed the no-fault divorce? That was a result of this strategy right here. No-fault divorce. So a, a man could get out of a marriage. A woman could get out of a marriage very quickly, very easily. And it's, they would promote uh, getting children away from the families as soon as possible. Now, pastors, church workers, listen carefully. Please, please, please do not support this universal daycare. Okay? Reza Gorbachev, the wife of Mikhail Gorbachev, when she got her Ph.D., she wrote her thesis on child development, and this is what she said. She said... The ch- problem with children in Russia is that they spend too much time at home with their parents and are exposed to too much theology. Huh? Talking about Christian theology. Exposed to too much Bible. And now, once again, they started this under Obama administration, but it faded. Nobody would buy into it. They started it again about this universal daycare. Please don't support it. Because it is a matter of getting your children away from you at an early and an impressionable age and indoctrinating your children. Do not allow that to happen. Pastors, we cannot support that. We just simply cannot support that. They said that they would support the feminist movement to create a discontent with motherhood. And look at this one. They would support the environmental movement in order to destroy businesses. Wow. Support the Greens movement. Looks like they're getting pretty well supported today, doesn't it? And that's part of the plan of the Communist Party USA to take over this country. Next, next slide. Destroy morals by getting America to accept homosexuality, and it is beyond accepting it. Now we're expected to celebrate it. And entire denominations are splitting now over this whole thing, and that's exactly what it's about. It's about destroying families and destroying the church. Next slide. Next slide. Eliminate prayer in school. You ever wonder where this whole idea of eliminating prayer in school came from? It came from the Communist Party USA. Discredit the family as an institution. If you can destroy the family, you destroy the society. The most important fundamental block, building block in our society is the family. I work at the Family Research Council. We we do lots of research and we do lots of things to try and support the families. And uh, you cannot have a healthy society unless you have 
healthy families, integral families. And I don't mean families with two mothers or two fathers. I mean a, a mother, a father, and a child. And today we have such a huge problem with absentee fathers. And it's, it's out of control. And then uh, get control of uh, the schools through the teachers' unions. Have we seen that play out? Have we seen that? Where did the teachers' unions come from? The Communist Party USA told us in 1958 that they were going to get control by creating teachers' unions. And now we've seen the impact that these teachers' unions have on what's happening in our nation today. And by the way, they would use school curricula to promote socialism. You don't even realize it probably if you're over 40 years old, but they've been teaching socialism in our public schools for three decades. And, and, and by the way, in order to do that, they had to eliminate history. They had to eliminate American history. Have you looked, if your children are in the public schools or if you know children, just take a look at what kind of history they're studying. First of all, they're not. And I studied American history. And what they are, what they do get in the few public schools that actually allow that, what they do get is an altered, skewed history that is not accurate. And David Barton, who some of you may know who David is, but he's the finest historian on the founding of this nation, and he's a very good friend of mine. And, and I asked him one time, I said, did you ever see the Common Core Standards for history? And he said, yeah, I looked at it. And he said, I'm going to tell you it's abysmal. He said, the only two things that they really talked about in, in that was that America dropped a bomb on the Japanese and we're on the wrong side of history. And that we integrated black soldiers and put white men in charge of them. So that was it. That was what they were teaching. We've got to get back to history. You know, I taught in college when I retired from the Army. I taught for 10 years at a men's college. And uh, I taught for three hours a night and I would after the first class, I could tell you who was homeschooled or had gone to a Christian school. And the reason was they knew American history. They knew about the founding of the nation. It's unbelievable. And you know, there's an old Russian proverb that says, if you, if you, if you dwell in the past, you lose an eye. If you forget the past, you lose both eyes. Folks, we're losing both eyes. Because we're not teaching history. Our children are growing up ignorant of what happened in this country. Who our founding fathers were. And what the American Revolution was about. And then get a, eliminate obscenity laws and call it free speech. That's where all the porn came from. I mean, I think at least Pastor Joe and I are old enough to remember that there was no... I mean, there, there wasn't any such thing. I mean, it just didn't, it didn't exist, not like it is today, certainly. And, uh, and they eliminated the, all prohibitions on pornography, and now you can see anything you want to see. Next slide. To include child, go to the next slide. Go ahead. I'm going to go, I'm going to skip over to the end because I want to go back to something. Next slide. 
Next slide. Okay. This is what I want to focus on here for the last couple of minutes. Destroy the religion of the nation. We are under fire. We are under fire because you cannot have a Marxist nation if the people believe that their rights come from God or are inalienable or unalienable, as our founding fathers said. You know, that was a whole new concept. They gave us a constitution that was based on two unheard of things. One was consent of the governed, and the other was unalienable rights, rights that come from God. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. So we have to understand that you can't be a communist nation if you believe in God. And that's why every communist nation is officially atheist. Because you have to depend on government. Do you see us moving towards depending on the government? Uh, anybody in here run a small business and you can't get anybody to go to work? You having problems, brother? You having problems? Getting people to go to work? That's because the government is giving them... We've got to stop that. We've got to stand against it. We've got to speak against it. We've got to get up and say to men, the Bible says right at the very beginning, I believe Genesis is the first book of the Bible, that you're going to eat by the sweat of your brow. I mean, you're going to earn your living by the sweat of your brow. And what we're doing is we're robbing men, especially of their dignity, of their self-respect, because we're paying them not to work. And I tell you what, the long-term effects of that are going to be devastating on the families and on the character of the men in this country today. We're under fire, and the restrictions that were applied to the church, as we all know, were so much, so much greater than to any uh, anything else. And we've all talked about it. How can you have pot stores stay open and and close the churches? And by the way, are you watching what's happening in Canada? Are you watching it? Don't think that it's not coming to a theater near you. It's already here. It's already here. But you know what? I was just with Rob McCoy uh, down in Naples, Florida this week. You know, just what what a him and Jack Hibbs and a lot of these Calvary pastors, Calvary Chapel pastors like Pastor Joe. I just said, my ultimately my my focus is reporting to Jesus, not reporting to the local sheriff. I'm going to stand before him one day. He gave me a flock. He gave me people that I'm responsible for. Now, one way or the other, I'm going to reach them. I'm going to get the message to them. And the churches that have, have, have had so much pressure on them, God bless you. God bless you for, for standing. God bless you for coming through. Stay focused on what our mission is. And uh, don't think that this is not going to get worse. 
But let me tell you, it is a matter at this point. Next slide. I'll just uh, go ahead and go through this. I'm not even going to talk about Antifa. They're, that's a Marxist organization. Black Lives Matter is a Marxist. Go ahead. And they, it, it, how many of you have seen the videos of them admitting that they were Marxist? You've seen the video? You find it on? Go ahead. Oh, no, that's good. No, go back. That's where I want to start. <laughs> well, I'm trying to get through here. Um, yeah, you've seen, the, you've seen the, the videos where they actually say we're a Marxist trained. Huh? You seen that? If you haven't, go look it up. You got to see it. I actually have it on here, but I'm not going to take the time to play it. But we're dealing with Marxist organizations. And nobody, the problem is nobody's willing to stand up to them. None of the leadership, none of the elected leadership is willing to stand up to them. It's left up to the church to speak the truth. And our mission as the church is in these dark times is to speak the truth. To stay true to the gospel and speak the truth. And ultimately, I... I just believe the Bible says you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. So what do we do? We get informed. Get multiple sources and please stay away from conspiracy theory. There's an awful lot of that out there now and a lot of it is being put out by people who just want to confuse you to start with. Stay focused, but get multiple sources. And yeah, I still do Fox News, but I I will tell you that I do it a whole lot less than I used to because I've I've determined that I'm not getting the full truth from from them either. You get online, there are good sources online that you can get onto that will give you more accurate information, both ways, liberal and, and conservative. I'm a conservative. And, and that's what I focus on. But I, I, I look at what the liberal media is saying as well. So you know that you get kind of the big picture and then you sort out for yourself. But don't get into conspiracy theory because it just makes you look foolish when you start talking about it. And then read. read the, if you get a chance, read the Communist Manifesto and the Naked Communist. The Naked Communist is back in print because so many people are buying it now. And you can get it on Amazon. It's written by a guy named Skousen, but uh, you can find it. And then vote and get others to vote. Get others registered to vote. That's one of the problems. It's still a problem. It's still a problem in the church. Is people are not voting. And you think, well, that's just a, uh, it's just a school board race. I'm, I'm not going to waste my time to go down there and vote. What? Let me tell you something. If there's anything more important than the sheriff... And the school board, I don't know what it is. You, you pay attention to those school boards because that's where we influence what our teach, what our, our children are being taught. So get on the school board if you can, but it, it, at a minimum, get involved in the electoral process, register and vote and support candidates that have the traditional American values. Next slide. And hold your leaders accountable. Let me tell you something. If you, I want you to, to encourage the people that you have influence over to get on the phone and on the email and call their representatives. Now, I wouldn't tell you something that I, I don't do myself, but my wife is worse than I am. 
In fact, my congressman, we were both speaking on a platform one night, and he looked over at my wife and he said, Mrs. Boykin, would you quit calling me? I understand what you want. And she said, yeah, I'll quit when you do what I tell you to do. <laughs> no kidding. And that's, she, she wears out the phone line. She wears out the emails. And don't think that it doesn't make a difference to them. Don't think that they're not counting. Don't think they don't have an aide out there that's counting how many are for, how many are against. And they're watching those numbers. So call, write, email them, do whatever you can to let them know where you stand and what you expect. And get the people that you influence, get the people in your flock to understand whether you're liberal or, or, or conservative, you have a responsibility to hold your leaders accountable. So please do so. Get involved with groups that are trying to make a difference and and there's lots of groups. There's groups in your town. There's groups in your state. There's groups in your county that you can get involved with to try and make a difference. And it, it, and it may be a pro-life group. It may be a crisis pregnancy center or something. But get involved and get the people and your congregations involved in doing things in that community that really make a difference. And quite frankly, I can't think of anything that makes more difference than saving the lives of these unborn children. And we, I mean, we're over 60 million now that we've killed. And uh, it, it breaks my heart. So do something to help with this, this, this whole issue of life. Stand and be counted. Speak out. And then finally run for office. Next slide. Isaiah 5.20, Woe unto you who call good evil and evil good. Psalm 94, what does Psalm 94 say? It's God talking to us. He says, who will take a stand against this evil for me? Who will rise up against these doers of iniquity? That's talking to us. And I hear people Say, well, God's in control. I've said it. But normally what it means is, therefore, I'm not going to do anything. I don't have to do anything because God's in control. No, God works through us. Please get our people, the people that we influence, to understand that God works through us. We have a responsibility to be warriors in his army. Exodus 15:3 says, the Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. Revelation 19 shows him coming back as a warrior, riding a white horse, wearing a blood-stained white robe, leading a mighty army, a sword coming out of his mouth. He's coming back as a warrior. We have to be warriors in God's kingdom. And we have to understand that that's what God has called us to be. And then Deuteronomy 20. Deuteronomy 20 is where... Moses left instructions that when you go into battle, he said, you know, the chaplains will come up and they'll say this, but then the officers will come up and they'll say, is any man among you afraid? If so, go on home. Because your fear might strike fear in the hearts of these other men. What am I telling you now? 
If you go over to brother so-and-so and you say, Brother, listen, I I'm in the, I pastored a church down the street here in Calvary Chapel and uh, and uh, you're a Southern Baptist and I, I thought maybe we could get together and we could go down there to the courthouse and let them know that we don't want any of these bills that let men go into the women's bathrooms. And brother so-and-so says, oh, brother, I'm with you, man. I'm with you on that issue. Oh, I, but you know, I don't want to offend anybody. Shake the dust off and leave old brother so-and-so over here because he is never going to be of any value in a battle. You see, cowards don't suddenly get brave when the shooting has started. But I can tell you one thing. Brave men aren't going to falter or fail when the shooting starts because I've been with them too many times. And then finally, pray. I was just talking to Jeff Coors uh, Friday night. Jeff Coors is the of the Coors beer family, but he is a he's a very committed Christian, and he has a prayer network of 250,000 people. There's another guy up in Michigan that I, I, I come on and speak to his prayer network periodically, and they, they've got about 10,000. There's another one out on, on the West Coast. There's prayer cells all over this country. And what we need to be doing is organizing more prayer cells and praying on diligently and asking God to bring us through this dark time and to give us everything we need Everything we need to do just what God asks us. Who will take a stand against this evil for me? To rise up against evil. But prayer is our most powerful weapon. And I'm going to finish by telling you a story that I, I don't tell very often because I get, I get emotional about it. But uh, my mother... Neither my mother nor my father had a high school education. My father went off to war and came home a wounded warrior, disabled veteran. My mother didn't have a high school degree, but she was wise in the ways of the Lord. She was a she read the Bible every day. She studied the Bible every day. And God called her to be an intercessor. And I couldn't even sneak out of the house at night because you trip over her. She was down by the sofa or the chair or the bed or something. And boy, I mean, it, it, it was a real impediment to my life as a young teenager. <laughs> but she'd be down there interceding for somebody. And a lot of times she'd just she'd be down there interceding, praying in the spirit. And uh but God called her to intercede for the prisoners of war in Hanoi. And she would be called out of bed almost every night to pray for those prisoners of war. She didn't know any of them. She, she, she didn't know their condition. But one night, 
she was called out of her bed. And she was so burdened praying for somebody, for somebody. And she finally said, she was so burdened. She said, God, just bring an angel. Bring an angel to him. And she finally felt that the burden had been lifted and she went back to bed. The war ended in 1973 and I was there in Vietnam when it ended. And Several years later, I uh, was working with uh, one of the POWs. He knew that I was a Christian and he wanted to tell me about a guy named Robinson Reisner. Uh, grew up in an Assemblies of God and he, was, uh, he said, that man, he said, it didn't matter how bad they beat him. He said he would say to us, don't curse them. They're God's children too. It's just it's just what Dan said earlier today. They're God's children too, he said. And he said, uh, we couldn't believe it. But he wrote a book. And this book's name was The Passing of the Night. And he he wrote in that book about one night they beat him, beat him severely. And uh, they threw him back in his cell. And, of course, it was like you were talking earlier, just a little one-man cell. And they threw him back in that cell, and he was all bloody and bruised. And, and he just said, Lord, I can't. He said, I can't go on. He said, I'm done. I can't go on. Lord, take me out of here. Let me go be with you. And he said, uh, in his book, he wrote the story. And he said, uh, suddenly the door on his cell opened. This little Vietnamese woman came in. She had a pail of water, and she took a sponge out of the water, and she wiped his forehead, and she wiped his neck, and she got the blood off of him. And she put the pail down, and put the sponge back in the pail, and she left. The next morning when he could hear the other prisoners stirring in their cells, he began to use the tap code. Tap, tap, tap. It's the way they communicated. Who's the new woman in the camp, he said. And uh, the reply came back. There is no new woman in the camp. Yes, there is. No, there is no new woman in the camp. I was given a copy of his book. It was signed to my mother, to take to my mother. And she opened the book and opened it right to that story. And she began to weep. And she looked at me. And she said, that's the angel that I prayed for. The God that answered her prayer that night is no different than the God that answered our prayers now. We can save our country. We can turn our country around. But it's going to take leadership. 
It's going to take prayer and it's going to take courage. We need to muster our courage. And we need to be on our knees. And we need to be encouraging those that we influence to be on their knees praying for America. I pray for this country every night. Every night. And others do. Millions are doing that across this country. There's no way. We cannot fail. This can be our finest hour. As long as we keep speaking truth and we keep doing what God's calling us to do and the only way we're going to know what that is is by seeking His face. Men, I love you and I appreciate everything that you do. You were raised up for such a time as this. God bless you all and thank you.